Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I'll be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by Jason Collinsworth. Jason is the owner and operator of Playmaker Training in Buffalo, New York. I first came across Jason via social media, YouTube and his website playmakertraining.com. Jason recently opened his own indoor training facility specifically designed to work with individuals and small groups in Western New York. In today's episode, we talk about Jason's introduction and background in soccer, and then his background in soccer and reasons behind the Playmaker Training Organization. We also talk about the design and operation of his own soccer-specific training facility. Hi, Jason. Thank you for joining me this evening. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. First, I like to ask all my my US coaches this question: How did you get into soccer and into coaching? Uh, I played. Uh, my older sister played uh, when she was like seven, and I started when I was six. So, just naturally, you know, and it was just like wreck soccer back in the day. wasn't good. I showed up in actual like football cleats like american football cleats where like the ref checked my studs and my dad had to get a pocket knife from his car and cut the stud off that was my very first like soccer experience and i and i had a game before i ever had my first practice so i had no idea what the heck was going on uh then you know i started to like fall in love with it um and then really everything turned when the 1994 world cup was here uh at the time so i was born in kansas city then when i was six right before i started playing soccer i uh, my family moved to michigan my dad got transferred and the pontiac silverdome was a location for the world cup and i got to go to uh usa versus switzerland and it was like the USA's first point in like 50 years in a World Cup. And then and that, that experience was just like unbelievable. But then the following week, USA played Colombia. And I watched that game and I recorded it. And that's when I fell in love absolutely with everything soccer. And that game i still have on vhs and i probably watched that game when they beat them two to one uh, i've watched that game probably a hundred times in my life then uh, obviously i played through uh into college small like naia school in michigan and i started coaching at my old high school uh, I was just uh, an assistant with the girls program and I I played 
multiple positions, you know, all of, all of my career. But at about 14, 15, I became a full-time goalkeeper because I thought that I thought that I was very good and I thought that I could play at a D1 level. And I played with a lot of D1 kids in high school and they said, you can play D1 as a goalkeeper. So I, I just put poured everything into being a goalkeeper uh, from about 15 to 21. And I eventually got burnt out of playing the goalkeeper position because it's so hard on your, on your body physically. And then when I went back to coach, I was like, wow, I'm, I, I fell It was like the world cup all over again. It was like the 1994 world cup all over again, because I fell in love with the coaching side of it. And, and I actually went back to my previous coach and he, you know, three or four years after the fact, he was like, you know what? You should have stayed as a field player. You should have you should have just stayed as a field player, never became a full time goalie. And I looked at him and I was like, Where were you three years ago? You could have you, you know, you could have told me that. But uh and then from there on the rest is like history. I was always like chasing I was one of those coaches where the level that I'm at is never good enough. I was like that. Like I always wanted that next level. I always wanted to be uh I always wanted to be a division one college coach then i assisted at a division one college and i didn't enjoy it i didn't i didn't enjoy it at all it felt like a, it almost felt like a job and most of my coaching i never felt like this was a job it was always just enjoyable right then i uh i also co i always wanted to coach at the ecnl on the da level and I was able to assist at the, uh, you know, at those clubs, and it was kind of the same feeling where like it, it was just like hollow. Um, and I got in, I got in with uh, some high school guys that were actually like legends, I guess. They're legends in the state of Michigan. With they've won like twenty two state titles and that's when i really fell in love with coaching and really learned that was the first time that i was actually around like real legit coaches right but i know you had said then that you um you had aspirations to to say coach at d1 level or a da or an ecnl like high level youth soccer yeah but were you ever considering it as a profession or was it always kind of like a side gig to do with? It was my profession. I was a full-time coach basically from the jump. Basically from 23 and on, I was a full-time coach. But I don't know. It's a great question. I mean, I still, I am full-time, and now I, you know, I run my own training company, and now I run my own facility, and it still doesn't feel like that – like it, it doesn't feel like soccer is my profession. I like, I never look at it as a job. Like, I feel like I never know what day it is. And I feel like, I love that. I love that feeling where if it's a, if it's a, uh, if it's a Thursday or a Sunday, it doesn't feel different. You know what I mean? Whereas when I, 
coached college, part of the reason why I think that it felt so, um, what's the word, restrictive was that it was an hour away. It took me an hour, an hour commute killed me and I'm not and I wasn't used to making a commute because I was always like a community club type guy right and then I got this the the gig at uh University of Detroit and it was an hour drive there and back and it kind of that kind of like killed me I guess you know um and even then after NCAA after um you know coaching at ECNL club and a DA and a DA club, I got an opportunity to coach professional. And that's actually what brought me out to Buffalo. Um, it was uh, the Western New York Flash of the NWSL, who is now gone. They're the uh, North Carolina Courage. Um, but I had an opportunity to come out and be a coaching intern and be the goalkeeper, uh, uh, the goalkeeper trainer and work in their youth academy. And that's really when I, you know, I've always wanted to do something on my own. Like before we started, you, you talked about how you coach your club teams and then you have some other players come in that you do private training with. Right. And I've always done that on the side. And there's actually a guy in Michigan that I've always, you know, looked at and he has built a, training just just a juggernaut he has like about six coaches under him and all he's he's uh what's the word he's uh he's not committed to any club he doesn't work for a club neither do i now but he trains over a thousand kids a week in between, just through his training company and he's in multiple different and I've always wanted to do something like that in Michigan and then I got the job here in Buffalo and the first thing that I when I got to the Western New York Flash was I realized how far behind Western New York soccer is compared to, to Southeast Michigan and I thought that well this is an untapped resource this is untapped potential of you know of where this area could be in you know over time so and that's what made me stay in buffalo was the the, was the chance of making a real huge impact here so then being in buffalo and and having the the long winters or short summers however you want to look at it (laughs) was that the um if you were going to have a, an indoor place that in upstate New York is going to be, a, you know, a big place where you know where they're going to need to play indoors for for long periods of time, was yep. was that the idea you had of were you doing outdoor training and it was just difficult for it to work out and and that's why you wanted to do indoors. Um, so I started out when I ended up leaving flash, I started out just doing it at an elementary school. I started out outdoor, uh, in June or July of 2015, I started outdoor and I started, I think two days a week 
and I would do private sessions. Then I would do drop-in sessions where I would charge uh, back then probably 15 or $20 per player. And they would just come in and just whoever, whatever age group, and we would just train. Uh, then September hit, and there's a local – there was a indoor so, – so I knew that I wanted – yeah, let me back up. I wanted – I knew that I didn't want to go back to club soccer. After I after I was done with the flash, I knew I was like, you know what? I don't want to go back to club soccer. And I knew that I'm best with the young players. And not necessarily young players, just like I didn't care about games. And I didn't care about um, necessarily team dynamics. Because – what I always noticed in, in when coaching a team was that there's always a skill gap between the best player and the worst player. And I always wanted to be able to close that gap. And when you're coaching 18 players, you really can't, it's, it's, it's an uphill battle, right? So once I hit all these different stops, I realized that like, Player development. That's all I care about. Player development. What can players do on the ball? And and so I knew when once September of 2015 hit, I go, I have to get indoors because I live in the frozen tundra, right? I live in the great white north of Buffalo, and I and the first winter that I lived here, it snowed every single day. It snowed every single day. So I knew I was like. I have to find somewhere. So I found this. It was actually a CrossFit uh, gym and a baseball training facility. And they had this little patch that was basically the width of two baseball cages, batting cages. And it was 30 feet wide and 60 feet long. And I trained in there for about two years. Sometimes in that little space... I would have 16 kids just training in that area because at, over time, I built clientele just through word of mouth. I, I, I built all of my clientele through word of mouth. I do stuff on on social media and stuff like that, and that's my marketing. But I don't really pay, I don't pay a dime for marketing or anything like that. But um, so then in 2017, they're like the the owners of the facility are like, wow, you're really, you know. You're really doing well, and we want you to succeed, and we're going to expand your space. So then it became a 60 by 60, just 60 feet by 60 feet. And the only the only problem with that was that I my schedule was limited. I only had four days a week. I only had four, four days a week and five hours. And if I wanted to do some extra training on Saturday or Sunday, depending on the season, I had to, like, jump through some hoops and really get book it early. You know what I mean? So. But then there's always that uncertainty that the space gets doubled book or booked or there's a baseball thing. Like I'll give you an example with my, uh, with my club. The, uh, I was using an elementary school gym, the local, the high school gymnastics, it was either gymnastics or cheer. They had, they use the same gym for training yeah. for their practice. And 
they had a new coach. They wanted to practice on a Saturday morning. And because it was the school, they, they, I got bumped. And it would happen on a number of occasions. And then I would have, I was given this, I wanted, say, the, the nine to two slot or, or something similar. And they said, oh, Paul, you could have it uh, three to six. There's like, not many people want to do three to six on a Saturday. They were, um, and it and it ended up, it uh, I got something going, but I could, it was nothing like what I had done in the past. So it's, I guess as well that that happens as well. And then, like you said, if you're working in those small spaces, you're you're limited to how many players that you that you can take. So the fact that um, it's kind of a necessity to really want to ex- want to expand now. How did you determine with your had you trained at a different facility before you moved to your new facility? Or, or is the baseball crossfit no, I stayed place? in that facility for five years. From 2015 to January 2021, I was in that same facility. And with not knowing the Buffalo area at all, if if what kind of location is your new facility in? It's 10 minutes away. It's 10 minutes away from where my main clientele is. And, you know, for every, so like my furthest, my furthest player is about an hour. It, it, they're in Rochester. Um, and actually, it's actually closer to Rochester. So it, it worked out. Um, I am 35 minutes from the Buffalo Bills Stadium. I'm about 30, 40 minutes from Niagara Falls, you know, so all those surrounding areas, it only made, my old place was maybe five or 10 minutes closer to all those locations. So it wasn't too bad. But when you were looking for, for a new facility, yep. was location a, a concern or did you know that because you had the clientele that, they would have, within reason, they would have gone anywhere in the Buffalo area. I was worried because um, there's always uncertainty, you know, because uh, right now I'm still when, like one coach. And although I had players in all these different places like Orchard Park or Niagara Falls or even Rochester, most of my clientele is in this little, like, probably 10, 15 square not even probably like five to 10 square miles. And I really didn't want to venture out. Like I looked at places elsewhere, but it just scared me. And then I stumbled upon this place, which is in one of the nicest areas. in, in I would say suburban Buffalo, you know, one of, you know, and, it, and it's safe and it's, and it just worked out so perfectly because I found the place on Craigslist and Craigslist is like the most sketchy thing ever. Right. And, and, and the owners and I, we laugh all the time about how we found each other because it's a funny story that the owner of the building is actually the father of one of my players that I've had in the past. And it was wild. So I go, so I go on Craigslist and I'm always going on Craigslist and I'm always going on these, 
these real estate websites because I'm always looking. I'm always wanting to expand and I've always wanted to do my own facility. So I go on Craigslist on a, on a random Sunday. It was like August 31st of 2020. And I see this Craig, I see this building and I'm like, Clarence, that's, that's the city that it's in. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go drive by this. So I drive by and I take pictures. I'm looking in the windows, you know, I'm taking video, walking around the place. And then I look at the sign and I see the last name of the building behind it. So it's, a, it's like a two-part building, and there's a business behind it. And I look at the last name, and I'm like, hmm, I know, I know somebody by that last name. So I emailed. First, I emailed and set up an appointment with the, the head of the, the Craigslist page. Okay. Then I emailed the 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 owner of the business behind with the name on the nameplate. And I go, Hey, I'm meeting with the owner about the front space at your building. Any head, like anything that I need to know about these owners going into the meeting. And he was like, I'm part owner. I'll see you tomorrow. And then All right. the rest was history, you know? So when, what did, obviously um, I've watched your video from, on your website of, of what the finished product looks like and yeah. seen some of your Twitter videos of, of players being trained, but what did it look like when you first walked in there? What, and what was the facility beforehand? So the building was built in 1975, right? The building was built in 1975. It was a, it was a, um, it was a granite and, it was a granite and concrete company and there was so much like water damage and so much so much problems so many problems with it that the owners knew that they had to put in a lot of money to even make this suitable for anybody that wanted to get in it was it was it was a fixer upper let's just say that so the owners probably the owners had never had any vision of it being a a sports turf or soccer specific turf venue. So, so the brothers, um, although their company has been in it for ten years, they only just bought the property two years ago, and they knew that the granite company. They knew that they were you know, long in the tooth about to leave. Right. And so I guess before I ever came along, they're like, you know, what would, be, what would really be cool is a sports facility. And their only worry was, okay, what do we do in the summer when everybody's outside and nobody trains? Well, that's where, this like this marriage is like perfect because I train indoors. I train indoors year round because I like a controlled environment. You know, I don't want to spend like I've always trained with like twenty balls, twenty five balls. I don't want to spend that much time, you know, going and chasing balls, especially when I'm technical. I preach technical repetition. It's hard to get a lot of technical repetition when you're outside all the time and you're chasing balls. You know what I mean? And I hated 
we've all seen all of our cars, all every single coach's car, just filled with gear in the back and can't even see out, out of the back. I hated that. Like I didn't, I, I didn't like that as well. Right. So I always wanted, so at my old place, I had this like little locker, you know, this little, like, it was like a deck locker. And that's where I kept all of my equipment for five years. And now I have like my own like equipment room and it's, I love it. That's, that's my, that is nice. Cause there are many, um, my old car every weekend, I would have to flatten the seats and kind of just to be able to fit everything in. It got to this stage, uh, and I, it's been great for the family, but I needed a bigger car uh, yeah. just to be able to fit everything in, moving, moving stuff. And again, there were times where I'll fold, I'll still fold the seat. I keep my third row always down because so, so I can have a bigger trunk just to keep the uh, equipment in. So that I suppose that is um, a nice luxury. But from watching your your video, you had mentioned like there was a lot of you had like a lot of of dreams or ideas that you wanted to put in to yep. a, a certain facility, and you had mentioned that you had been saving, you had been watching other people's videos, maybe from Instagram or Facebook, and then you were saving them to yeah. try and come up with your like um dream facility what were some of the the must-haves that you wanted for for this new facility the must-haves were uh one i wanted i i always wanted a facility that almost develops players by itself you know what i mean so if you were to send a player to a racquetball court and, and send them with a soccer ball the player is going to come out of there a better player. So I always wanted plywood. I always wanted plywood or or some kind of hard wall because I believe that a ball and a wall is really all you need to develop some technical skill. Um, so that so, so that was one. And so far, I'm beating the hell out of this place, but it's holding up well so far. So I use the big walls in every single session. And the possibilities are endless because there's always something or someone to pass to. And it's even better when I'm doing a one-on-one -on -one because, yeah, I'll get in and I'll pass. But then I have a small kick wall and then I have the other wall. So that was, that was vital. Um, another one was obviously uh, turf. Um, I wanted some type of natural light. Most soccer facilities are dungeons. They're dungeons. You don't know if it's day or night out, outside, right? I was, so at my old facility, I was in the very back, in the very back corner, and I would have to, like, look through trees to see if it was sunny or, or, or if it was night out. And now we, we replaced one of the doors that was already there, and we put a glass door. And then it was actually the owners were like, you know what, let's put another one on the other side so because we had three windows at the top that get tons of sunlight in and they're like we want this to look symmetrical so we're gonna keep these three windows keep these three windows but we're gonna put a door right across and it just worked out perfectly um other than that the equipment room 
ended up being a bonus. I always wanted one because when I worked at the Flash, the Flash, when I worked at the Flash, that was the first time I worked for a club that had their own facility, that had their own building. And I love that equipment room. Their equipment room was great. And I, I was like, if I ever have that facility or my own facility, I want something like that. But I also saw as well, um, if I can see from the video, you've got like a corner office with windows, with windows on either side. So having that like office space as well, um, yeah, must be like a huge bonus as well. Like I know you've um, somewhat jo joked about having that you were dreamt of having that storage room, but um, I think having that that kind of office with windows on a on two sides is is also like a huge thing as well to call your own. Yeah, uh, and we're going to sublet a lot and we're going to we're, we're going to send cuz we want to I want to share this space, you know. I don't want it to be oh, it's just mine. Uh you can't have it uh, cuz that that's very popular in soccer, you know. I'm going to hide this. I don't want anybody to see this. And I don't understand that mentality in coaches and in soccer in general. I can't stand it. Um, it's one of it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get out of club soccer because so many people are like, you could have a. Have you ever coached for a club, and it seemed like all the coaches were actually against each other? Like I, I, I've been in that environment, and it was it wasn't Western New York Flash. It was actually back in Michigan, and I just could not, I couldn't deal with that, and that put a bad taste in my mouth. So. I, that's a that's a rant for another day um no but, I, I know what you're saying i've had it where it where you would um we can somewhat talk about with soccer that there'll be poachers so you'll always have somebody say from another club looking to take take a player um or sometimes i've been in situations where there are poachers within the club say wanting to take a player from another age group and we could have different arguments of uh of pros and cons of that but if you're running your session now and you've got um whatever the best the best eight-year-old the best nine-year-old the best 10-year-old it's no one's you're not stealing anyone's best players you're actually enhancing them and then they go back to their club so then at least now you know that um Yep. Oh, the the clubs can can have trust in the uh, the playmaker training facility and knowing that it's um, that they're not going to then join playmaker FC and and then be playing against them in the league in the next season. Right. And, and at the beginning, when I started, when I when I was in Buffalo and I left Western New York Flash, we parted ways, and. When I started this, they that's what they were worried about. They were so worried that I was going to start my own club. And they were worried about – and they were starting to say, oh, don't go and train with him because they were worried about me starting my own club. And then it probably took a year for them to realize what I was actually doing and what I was actually trying to build. And now they're much more uh, welcoming. Still not a hundred percent welcoming, but they're still they're welcoming. But like, but again, I, yeah, I want to share this place, and we're having multiple sports in. Um, but 
I want to keep it primarily a soccer facility, you know, and it's also a way for me to, um, to expand playmakers training, my, my business, you know, because if they see that, they see me, they interact with me and then, you know. So I know as well, like sometimes, um, players this past winter may have been, or parents may have been concerned especially in the area that I live in uh, of having their their children play indoors like there are still different parts of the country that the children aren't even back in school yet and I know you'd mentioned something about your facility had some kind of filtration system or um, something some ventilation system could really just that made it a safe environment is that right? Yeah. Um, so if you go around some facilities, they have these huge fans that are, that take up the, the entire ceiling. And I've always, you know, I, I've always just thought one, I always love air circulation and two, I thought it looked really sweet. You know, I, I thought it looked cool. And so that was always, that was always another part that I always wanted they're actually called big ass fans. That's like the actual company. That's like the name of the company. But uh, our ceilings were too low. And I was actually talking uh, with my dad, and he was like, "Well, we have those type of fans, but they're in. They're like on the wall, and they have those." And so when I was meeting with the owners, I talked about how I I want these fans, or I want something like this fan. Um, and then they, they did some research and they, and they have this spray or just this air circulation system where it actually kills 99.99% of all bacteria, including what kills COVID. And I thought, well, that's a bonus, but we have four of them. We probably could have done okay with just two because it's still kind of a small space it's only it's only about five thousand square feet inside the training space it's only about five thousand square feet and then do you have any markings on the field or is it just a pure green surface right now it's just a green surface um we're toying with the idea of maybe someday having leagues in there i really don't want to go down that path but we may add like a small, small field, but I never, I, I don't really want a league. I would rather, I would rather set up something maybe like, uh, like a three V three league, right? Like that's very popular in basketball here, you know, where there's just summer three V three leagues. I would like that. There's not, there's, there's nothing like that here. We have three V three tournaments. But we don't have three v three leagues. We don't we don't allow leagues where, you know, different kids from different clubs could come and play. That's what I would like. I would like a pickup mentality, right? I would like, um, I would like something more like that. I grew up in Michigan, and there used to be a church um, called Dixie Baptist, and there was a soccer league every summer and it was like 5v5 and it was the most fun thing i ever did as a teenager playing soccer was 
It wasn't my club. It wasn't high school. It was these 5v5, and it was co-ed, and it was just a blast. And I always thought – and then it just ended. It just ended my, like my junior year, and it was – I, I, I missed that opportunity to just play with whoever. They didn't have to be for my club. But it seems then that that's then a, a big part in in what you want when you train players is just to to really just make sure that they're fully, obviously they're improving, but they're, they're just enjoying playing. So kind of like when you said you went to watch, uh, you're talking about that US-Switzerland game or that US-Columbia game. Um, probably uh, with all respect, they probably weren't the most exciting games, but to you they were. To you they were. Um, so, and that's kind of what makes um, makes fans of the game. Um, if I was to share with you my one of my favorite goals growing up, it's um, it, it's not the, the the prettiest soccer, but it was. Um, and sometimes I think that's kind of like the beauty of. You know, if that made me fall in love in soccer, with soccer, then I, I must I must really like it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so then, as well, I've seen as well with your facility that um, you had like a pet. You called it a parents' lounge, and is that right? With like a, and do you have like a perspect glass? So you, yes. you're kind of inviting parents in so they can like view in, but still. So they so they can view it, but they're not in it. You know what I mean? Because they're all. I've run the sessions and I'm I'm sure you've done them and I've done it before and I'm in the I'm in the gym and parents are sat hmm. crisscross applesauce all the way around. We even had them bring their lawn chairs in and I was like, What where where are you gonna put with always where are you gonna put that? Or or like you said, using the um as well when you talked about the kick walls, I've used places where you've had to uh to, to dodge the gym teacher's equipment. God forbid you were to touch any of or move any of the mats. Or, um, so the fact that now that you've got these open open walls that are, are playable, that you can play a ball off them, but then there's still an area for parents to to view. What Was there any thought process in, in, into that viewing area? Um, any there... specifics for the parents? There was, I mean, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I was really in with the owners, right? So that wasn't always a dream of mine, but I saw there's a place in Northern Michigan. It's, uh, it's called Petoskey Fieldhouse, and they had the exact same setup where they have actually pictures of parents sitting down and you see the big pane of glass and you see the kids on the other side. And I was like, huh, that's really cool. Because in my, in my facility, there originally was three offices and now there's just one. So we tore out the two and my, my goal was just to have two glass doors in going in, looking into the facility and then it turned and then i saw the petoskey fieldhouse post on instagram and then i was like huh we could turn this entire wall into to a glass window and so the way that i sold this to the owners is i 
I actually made a video of everything that I, like I wanted. So I just, I, I just reached like, so I just made it on iMovie and I made little clips. I made little clips. There was somebody on Twitter years ago and it was somewhere in England and there was this big blue wall and it was an indoor facility and the coach had the players just pinging the ball off, off of a solid wall. And so I saved that and I, and I saved that. And then I saved the Petoskey field house, saved the fans going and I saved all of it. And then I put it all together and that's what I sent to the owners. And once the owners saw that, I think that was the real selling point of like, wow, like this vision is, you know, worth trying. So, so you opened it, this opened in February of this year? Yep. February 15th was my first day in training. And so what is the plans for the spring season with, uh, with the facility so, or so, with your training? So over the last, so since I'm at about, I train for about 35 hours, 35, 36 hours. Um, and I plan on continuing those hours until about April. Then I'll, I'll take I'll take my foot off the gas a little bit. But then once May hits, I'm looking to hire uh, my first employee. So you first, you're doing you're doing thirty thirty five hours a week. Yeah, of training. Yeah. Well, that's and a. Luck- it's lo- I'm lucky because right now COVID, COVID open these these kids school schedules are all over the place. So for instance, last week I trained nine hours in a day, and I trained from nine. Well, last last night I trained. My first session was at 10 a.m., and my last session ended at eight. But I didn't go straight through. I trained two hours, an hour off, then an hour, hour off, and then the rest of my sessions. And like going back to a previous question, like that, like I'm tired, but I'm not like oh, I have to go and do this. Like this is like so exciting because this is like a new chapter, you know. If I, I wonder, I was wondering, just talking to myself, just. If I was at the other facility or the old facility and doing nine hours, I would have been exhausted. But like you said, I have the office to go to. I'm still trying to like organize stuff in there and and fix up some stuff. And it's been exciting. Yeah, well, that's uh, it's really good then that you feel like that because um, I know for myself doing if I was to eight, nine hours on the field outdoors, then it can it can feel sometimes like like twice as long. So the fact that it's given you then um I guess like a, a new lease of life, especially after after COVID to then and then the fact that then you're getting plays in and, and then you're giving them like a, a positive, safe, enjoyable, knowledgeable environment to train has been has been good good for those players. So I'm, Hoping then that 
in the spring that you'll maybe able to some of the maybe able those players will be able to transfer those skills actually onto a field and into a game. Yeah, absolutely. Luckily, you know, I have a lot. So the Flash are in the ECNL, and a lot of those players are actually traveling to Tennessee this weekend uh, for actual league games. And it was it's the, really the first league games that we've been able to prepare for, you know. So I'm excited for them. Um, and I just, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. This whole COVID, the whole COVID situation was awful, but it was also a blessing at the same time uh, with me, you know, because I had an LLC and I was able to, uh, you know, get a business loan and that, that helped, right. you know, and I have a great family that, you know, I actually, during COVID, during lockdown or quarantine, uh, I actually went home to Michigan and just stayed, stayed with family for three or four months. So it's crazy. Well then, uh, Jason, this has it's been excellent. Like to, to learn more about, your training and your facility and, and like what you're trying to do for, for players in the Buffalo area. I mm -hmm. wish you all the, the best for, for the spring season. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. Awesome. I want to thank Jason for taking the time today to talk with me. Jason is the first coach I've interviewed for the podcast that I've never actually met and had any purposeful engagement with before. It's heartwarming that coaches like Jason have the time and energy to talk to a complete stranger about soccer and coaching. Jason has coached all levels of the game from grassroots all the way through to the pros. It's great to see that he has more enthusiasm than ever to help soccer players of all levels improve their skills and enjoyment of the game. I also give Jason a lot of praise for relishing his dream of opening a soccer-specific training facility that focuses on small groups and individual training. It was evident from our conversation that Jason loves what he is doing and gets true satisfaction from helping others. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter, at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram, at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc. or send an email, paulkelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.